Well, it's good to be home and good to be back here to share God's Word with you today. What a delight it has been for Cynthia and for me to be able to be part of First Family. We were actually present on the launch Sunday for First Family Church, uh, what, 17, 18 years ago now, lose track of years. Then we moved out of state for a number of years, and then when we came back uh, to Iowa uh, a little over eight years ago, uh, the Lord led us back here, and we had the privilege of, of being part of this family. One of the greatest blessings of our life uh, with the privilege of serving here and uh, serving with the elders of this church uh, for part of that time and serving with Pastor Todd as one of those elders and as leader among us. And so it's been such a blessing uh, to be able to serve and now to be able to come back today and to share God's Word with you is a real delight for me. When we talk about the subject of eldership, uh, it is a broad-spectrum term in Scripture, and the purpose of our time together today is to talk about it in its larger context. We're going to cover a lot of ground, and we're going to do that in a hurry, so we will cover a lot of information, but without a lot of detail. The purpose today is to paint a clear picture of who an elder is from a biblical perspective and from a church perspective. That is, who is an elder here at First Family Church? We've said over the years that uh, deacons lead the church by serving, and elders serve the church by leading. The responsibility of leading and serving in God's church, in any capacity for that matter, whether it's one of those or another capacity, is a very serious and a very sacred thing because the church is the body of Christ. It is God's family. It is God's people, God's flock. And the responsibility as well as the privilege of serving in one of these capacities is both an honor but a very large sacred trust and something that we take very seriously. In the message today, I'm going to launch and land back in that passage in 1 Peter chapter 5, so you may want to keep that marked in your Bible, but we're also going to look at two or three other passages as we move along, and uh, those are listed there uh, for you that we'll be looking at as we move through the message today. Again, the purpose of the message is to review and refresh the concept of eldership and also to reinforce the significance of that role within uh, the local church. It's my hope that as a part of the message today uh, that we will gain a greater or a refreshed and renewed understanding of what that role is about for two or three reasons. One, that we simply understand it better from uh, the perspective of Scripture and church context. Sometimes we say, well, he's an elder, or these are the elders, or uh, we hear that we are an elder-led congregation. And when we hear that concept, it, uh, some, for many folks, it's kind of a vague concept. Who are these people? How do they get there? Uh, why, you know, why should I follow them even? That kind of thing. Well, I hope that we'll understand that better as we move along uh, through uh, the, the course of the, the study today. We, as a church, from the very beginning, uh, First Family Church chose to follow that biblical model of a plurality of leadership, that is, to be an elder-led congregation. Mentioned in the earlier service, I prefer elder-led as to elder-rule, 
Although that term is used sometimes, it sometimes is also abused or misused. And so elder-led is a better concept, I think, and we've chosen to follow that model uh, from the very beginning, and uh, God has uh, blessed in, in that biblical model in church leadership here. As the other purpose for having uh, a study like this is to help us to better consider whether we might be called to serve in that role. I think you'll have a better feel for whether or not you might be uh, a, um, an elder in the making or an elder uh, that uh, God would use in that capacity as we move along. So having a better understanding of the role helps us better know whether that's God's fit or God's calling for us. And then we also need to know how to better uh, receive leadership from elders. If we understand the concept better, especially the biblical foundation for it, then we understand better how to receive that leadership and follow that leadership within the church. And you also know better how to pray for those who serve in that role and how to uh, encourage them, how to help them fulfill the calling that God has on their lives. So we're going to look at this concept today for those reasons from sort of three different perspectives. Uh, first of all, we're going to be talking at the end of the message about the spiritual calling. It should not be that a person is just placed in a role of eldership because they have a certain ability or a gift or because they want to be or any of those things. There must be a calling from God on that person's life. We're going to talk today also about the biblical qualifications. We're not going to have time to go into it in detail, but I want to set before our minds once again the qualifications that God has put in His Word for us to use to help us understand who is ready to serve in the role of an elder. And then we're going to be looking at the church process. How does one become an elder here? How do we apply those biblical principles in our selection of and in our service as elders uh, in First Family Church? And so, in fact, I want to start with that particular part of it today because I think it will help to set the context for you and help you in, in understanding those things that we've mentioned already. At First Family Church, we take the concept of eldership very seriously. In fact, a person doesn't just uh, one day ask to be an elder, the next day they say, okay, and the next week they begin to serve. It is a very lengthy and a very thorough process that everyone who serves as an elder here goes through. And so I want to talk about that process because that I believe will help you understand their role better, understand the seriousness and sacredness of it better, and understand uh, how uh, to fit in with that concept of church leadership. I'm going to walk you actually through some things that are in our documents uh, and that we follow uh, very carefully as we process persons who have been identified that may be a good candidate uh, to be an elder. So after they're identified, the role is clarified, and uh, they have been accepted as a potential candidate uh, for eldership. The first thing that happens is that there's an initial interview with one or more of the elders to confirm some things in that person's life. We confirm that they have commitments to unity, to humility, and ability to lead, initial qualifications are met, and that there is maturity to serve and minister to the church body. If those things aren't there, it doesn't necessarily mean that a person will never be an elder, 
but it does mean that they're not ready to be an elder yet. And so that, that's a part of just uh, initiating uh, the conversation about whether a person is, is, is to be an elder. Then the second thing that happens is that they are asked, if they uh, indeed meet those initial qualifications, they're asked to fill out what we call an application for eldership, which is a written document that covers their doctrinal statement. And it also covers things about their own uh, uh, faith experience, their walk with the Lord, and, and other details about uh, previous service and that kind of thing. But it focuses a lot on their doctrinal uh, abilities or doctrinal understandings. And so it's a written doctrinal review to confirm their capability to proclaim and defend the doctrines of the faith. At the very least, a person who's going to lead the Lord's church needs to have a good understanding of the principles of the Word of God and to be able to communicate those. Someone asked me after the first service, does a person who's going to be an elder have to have the gift of teaching? Well, the scripture word is that they have to be able to teach. They may not all stand in the pulpit and preach sermons in this capacity, but they do need the ability to both understand and communicate clearly to others the teachings of the scripture. And so that's a part of it in understanding what they believe and whether they're able to uh, communicate what they believe as an important part of the foundational uh, structure or foundational qualifying to be an elder. The third is that once they have done that and that, that uh, uh, instrument has been reviewed, an interview with the entire elder board uh, is uh, called and they come in to talk about the doctrinal statements and then to be open to any question about anything that's pertinent to their serving as an elder at this church. I remember, uh, not in the elder concept, but when I was uh, doing some doctoral studies back in seminary and I was going in to do the oral interviews with the uh, staff and faculty uh, in the doctoral program. And it was a, a rather nervous thing, you know, thinking about all those guys and many of them have been teaching for years and all of that. And uh, one of the older fellows came out and uh, we talked for a few minutes and I guess he could sense that I was a little apprehensive about walking into the lion's den that day or whatever. But anyway, as I started in, he said, just remember, uh, we are all just your brothers. Older brothers, maybe, but brothers in the work of the Lord. And so this interview time is not just something that's done lightly. We don't just uh, pass over things quickly. It's not a rubber stamp kind of thing. But it is an intentional and sometimes very intense interview with all of the elders concerning one's doctrinal positions and other qualifications, including family life and their spiritual walk and things of that nature. This is all happening over a period of weeks, months, and sometimes as much as years uh, before the process is absolutely completed. The fourth thing is that there's the review of at least three unrelated persons outside of the church. We would call this in the secular world referencing. We, we do references and we talk to people who know them because one who's going to serve as an elder needs to have a good reputation and have respect of the people that they live among and serve with in other capacities well, of those outside of the church. And so a person's life is put, put under scrutiny in a number of different ways. 
basis, uh, biblical qualifications, doctrinal qualifications, uh, ability to communicate and, and to teach, uh, the uh, spiritual life, family life, their walk with God in, in every aspect is uh, looked at in a, in par, as part of the examination time. The fifth thing that's in our document and that we follow closely is that after the elder board is able to confirm the candidate's commitment to unity and ministry, the candidate's ability to defend the faith, the candidate's good reputation, then the name of the candidate is published to the congregation as a candidate for eldership. This is done on a particular Sunday. Their name's published. They're introduced as a candidate. And then for the next three weeks, this is where you get your chance at them. Uh, you have the opportunity to ask them or any one of the other elders uh, questions about them, about their qualifications, and about their service, and to call into question any concern that you may have about them or about their uh, being ready to serve in that capacity. I encourage, as I'm teaching churches about this, that they not just report concerns, uh, but also commendations. Sometimes you have been serving with a person out there in small group or in other capacities, and in that capacity, uh, you have seen them already uh, serving as a, a shepherd. You've seen them already serving a, as one who teaches the Word of God, who helps people grow in their faith. And, and so they've already been ministering out there. And sometimes it's great to be able to hear from someone in the congregation that, uh, you know, this person, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad they're being considered for eldership because I see them already serving in that capacity out there. So, but you have the opportunity then to affirm them uh, either uh, with concerns or with commendations as they're being considered for eldership. If at the end of that time, uh, the last step is once the steps that we've talked about have been completed, elders and the elders are unified that each of the persons being considered meets the biblical requirements for an elder, then that person would be introduced to the congregation as a new elder. They'd be affirmed by the elders and introduced as an elder that would begin serving with the congregation. And uh, then twice a year, they are presented to the congregation, introduced. You've seen that happen if you've been here a while. Uh, twice a year, all the elders and deacons, for that matter, are introduced to the congregation at an opportunity to affirm them. And so there is a, a part of the process in which the church is involved as well as the elders themselves. I say all of that to come back and say to you again that at First Family Church, the role of the elder is taken seriously and the process and the uh, service of an elder is considered sacred. It is a thing of God, not just something we do in an organization to which we belong a work of the Lord in and through those individuals. And so the, the calling upon a person's life uh, must be there. The biblical qualifications must be there. Uh, but also there's an opportunity for the church to make sure that those who lead in this capacity are ready to serve in that role. The qualifications and readiness are in place. So when we talk about this, uh, we ask the question, okay, if they're going to serve in the role of the elder, what is the role of the elder? Well, there are two or three things uh, that we want to talk about. First of all, uh, 
what an elder is not. <laughs> what an elder is not. And these are some things that are sometimes are misconceptions, and so I'll review them quickly. First of all, an elder is not just an on, an, in an honored position that is a place of power or a place of prestige, an ego builder. I have known, I think, over time, folks who would like to be elders because they saw it as an honored position. It's kind of like the top of the rung, you know, if I can get to be an elder. Uh, that is not a good motivation, a reason to want to be an elder, and it's not a good reason to place a person in the role of eldership. It's not uh, just an honored position. It's also not the unchallenged masters of the congregation. In fact, in some of the biblical qualifications, you'll hear the statement that they are not to lord it over the folk. That is, become as if they were God in those people's lives. Again, we say we're elder-led, not elder-ruled, so to speak. But there are times when folks let places, uh, posi uh, positions of power or, or influence kind of go to their head or they, they take it in, in a way that they feel like it gives them too much authority in people's lives. And so it's not an unchallenged. There, there's always the opportunity to affirm in the beginning, but also to, to raise questions and concerns that are taken seriously by the rest of the group. We have a plurality of leadership, we call it, and we'll talk a little bit more about it in a moment, but it builds in, in the concept of plurality is also accountability. There is always, uh, you know, the, there are always leaders among the leaders. Uh, first among equals is one of the concepts that's given in a plurality of leadership. But whether you're the lead pastor or any of the other elders, there is always a, a level of accountability, and the elders at First Family take that part of their responsibility seriously as well, so that we, uh, we don't dog each other, but we do hold each other accountable and challenge where necessary. Uh, each other in that role. And then it's not just a board of directors. All too often, elder boards become like a board of directors, and, the, and it becomes, it secularizes the church work, uh, where we forget that we are, are a living organism, the body of Christ, the people of God, and that it, there are differences between that and just a board of directors that doesn't take spiritual matters and biblical matters into consideration in decision-making. And then another thing that I've run into in recent years uh, that I've list here because I think it's important and not drifting in this direction, and that is that the elder role of the elder is not just a watchdog for pastoral er error. I have uh, worked with some groups where I felt like that the main consideration they, they had for a person serving as an elder was that they just check up on the pastor all the time. They weren't doing a lot of leading. They weren't doing a lot of shepherding and that kind of thing. They were just always questioning <laughs> and always uh, so that a person had a hard time leading because a group of folks around them have felt that it was their calling, their responsibility. They'd been taught that somewhere, that their, one of their main, if not their main responsibility was just to check up on the pastoral leadership and make sure they're doing it right or they're not doing it wrong, that kind of thing. That accountability is always there and taken seriously. But if that is your main concept of what being an elder is all about, all you and they will be is frustrated over time. And you'll not be able to lead forward in the work of the Lord uh, like uh, it should be with pastoral leadership. So I mentioned that because I run into it where it's almost the litmus test of becoming an elder, whether or not you would be willing and able uh, to challenge or to say no 
to pastoral leadership. Well, if that's not what it is, what is it? Well, it's defined by our own documents in this way. The elders are the overseers, shepherds of this local church. The ministry of overseeing the congregation of First Family Church includes praying for the members of the congregation, individually and corporately, teaching sound doctrine, refuting false teaching, directing the affairs of the church, and serving as an example of the Christian life. Together, the elders of whom the lead pastor is a part make up the elder board and share the responsibility and authority to give pastoral leadership in the church. And so in general, these are, this is our church process and our church portrait of an elder at First Family. But I want us to move from talking about church process to talking about what is the foundation underneath it all. And that is, what are the biblical qualifications for being an elder in one of the Lord's churches? The fact is, it is the main criteria. If a, per a person may be very gifted and have a great desire and may be honored among the people and lots of other reasons that they might be put on an elder board, but the fact is the bottom line, the baseline, the foundational thing is to be considered is do they meet the biblical qualifications for being an elder? And thankfully, the Lord didn't leave us with a lot of guesswork. He got pretty specific about those qualifications in the Scripture. And there are three or four passages that deal with that, and I want us to take time to walk through those passages. I don't have time to preach through them today, so what I would like for you to do is just note every point, because in choosing elders and in supporting elders and in being an elder and serving as an elder, every one of these points is important. Now, no person is perfect yet, but every elder should be striving toward and attempting to fulfill uh, the qualifications as set forth in the Scripture. And so I want to just read through some passages, and I want you to follow along with me as we read through them and note the seriousness of serving and the sacredness of serving as an elder on the basis of the biblical qualifications. The first passage is the familiar passage in 1 Timothy chapter 3. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, it simply says, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, one of the other terms for the elder, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children in submission. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil." 
Paul, in writing to Timothy, said when you're appointing elders, when you're selecting elder leaders, here are the qualifications as God has set them forth uh, in his own word. The second passage has some similar things in it, but clarifies a little further, and it's the passage found in Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to refute those who contradict it. In these two passages of Scripture, those biblical qualifications are set forth so that when we are selecting or when we are serving in the role of elder, we have a baseline, we have a pattern, we have instructions on how to both uh, initially examine and constantly keep in check our own lives so that we do not dishonor God, disrespect the church, and disgrace ourselves or both in the community in which we serve. God has put these things forth so that we clearly understand what it means to serve in an elder from the biblical perspective. The third passage that we use is the one that we're going to land back on in 1 Peter chapter 5. And Pastor Todd preached on this passage last week, and in preaching uh, through that passage, I said uh, to him later, uh, you've done it so thoroughly and so in intentionally and, and all of that, that all I need to say is ditto about this passage. Uh, you, you've covered it pretty well. But what I do want to do is in the context of our larger uh, uh, presentation here today is walk quickly back through that passage and note some things in particular of, of the biblical concept of eldership. You, so in 1 Peter chapter 5, there beginning in the first verse, we find uh, Peter exhorting the elders. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. This idea of plurality and accountability there, a fellow elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker of the glory uh, that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those. There's that overlording thing we talked about earlier. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, 
with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Well, first of all, in this passage, we find three terms that are used that are, uh, depending on the passage and the translation in Scripture, are used somewhat interchangeably to describe the office and the roles of one who is an elder or pastoral elder within the church. It starts by saying, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. And that term elder is one uh, that we identify uh, and use most commonly in our day. We'll talk more about it in just a moment. And then he continues on to say there in verse 2, shepherd the flock of God. The word shepherd is the term that's translated often pastor. And so we have elder and pastor, and the concept of shepherding is taking care of the flock that God has given you. I had an elder pastor years ago who preached a lot at uh, ordination services and other things for pastors, and he would use this concept and talk about our role of shepherding. Uh, That role is a very significant one in Scripture, by the way. Uh, Jesus is called the chief shepherd. The psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd, and because of that, I'll not be in want. And then he's called us to shepherd the flock of God as elders and pastors, and it means to take care of them. My elder pastor friend would say, we're first of all to find them. That's evangelism. In the, then to fold them, to bring them into the fold. That's discipleship and connecting them uh, with the church. And then he said, we've got to feed them the importance of teaching and de- developing them in the Word of God. And then he would say, and once in a while, we even have to fleece them. And I, I'm not sure exactly all that he meant by that. Uh, but I have an idea for that, that sometimes there's necessity uh, for uh, doing some other things. But the fact is, we have a responsibility of being good shepherds. And here we're told to shepherd the flock of God among you. And then later in that same verse, he says, exercising oversight. And that's the word for overseer, the word uh, that uh, is sometimes translated bishop in some translations of Scripture. But it is managing and overseeing the work, keeping close watch on the congregation, overseeing in that way, so that we may give oversight that is management and leadership to the congregation. All three of those words are part of that biblical concept, and they show up for us here in this text and in this passage of Scripture. And so we begin by noting uh, the identity of the biblical elder. That word elder is the word presbyteros, and the It means a chosen pastoral leader within the church, usually expressed in a plurality of pastoral leaders. That is, the elders among you or appoint elders in every city. And the term was one that was borrowed from the culture of the day, and initially it simply meant an older person, one who was to be looked up to, respect your elders, so to speak. And so it had that concept. And then it became more of a general term for a respected and honored person, not necessarily uh, their age included there. But eventually, it was a term that was chosen for a respected leader among God's people or became an official position or office within the church that we call uh, the office of the elder. An elder or pastoral leader, as we look at it in the larger context and summarize again before the end, here just a moment, 
uh, that first of all, an elder, pastor, leader is called by the Spirit of God, qualified by the Word of God, identified by the church of God or by the body of Christ, and is serving among fellow elders in leading God's church. And in serving in that capacity, there's both the plurality of leadership, shared leadership, and along with that goes accountability that we've already referred to, where there's not just one person doing it all, saying it all, leading it all, but there's a plurality of leadership so that both uh, uh, the, the concept of support and encouragement, but also accountability is naturally built into it. And I can assure you that the elders I served among here are some who take all of that very seriously. Well, the passage not only gives us the identity of the elder, but it gives us also three responsibilities of the elder. We've mentioned one of them already, and it won't take long there. Shepherd the flock of God. We've mentioned the second one already, exercising oversight over this church of, of the Lord. But the third one we haven't talked about as much yet, though Pastor Todd did last Sunday to some degree, and that is be example to the flock. Be an example to the flock. It is the responsibility of the elder to set the pace and to set the pattern for fulfilling our ministry and for our discipleship, our growing in the things of the Lord. They should be able to say to us, Follow me as I follow Christ, because they are following Christ. And they set the pattern and are the example for us to follow, the model for us to follow. It's not a do what I say and ignore what I do, but it's do what I say and notice I do it. I do it. And therefore, you can follow someone in that, in that capacity, in that role. And so, being an example, there's a passage where Paul wrote to Timothy as a young pastoral leader uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11 and following, and he says to young Timothy, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example. An example in what? Well, in speech, in conduct, in love in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of the Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. We have the challenge and the responsibility of being an example to the people of God, to the flock that is among us. Well, do you, do you want to be one? <laughs> I tell you, people are going to be looking. They say, I don't want anybody looking at me. I don't want anybody looking at me. Well, you're not, you're not ready for this role then because they have the right and the privilege to watch our lives and to expect to see an example of what the Christian life is supposed to be like according to the Scripture. Well, if we look in uh, this passage, we'll see not only uh, the, the identity and the responsibilities, but also the attitudes of a godly pastor-elder and I won't take time to develop these, but let me just list them for you. First of all, he's willing to receive exhortation. Peter was saying here, listen, I exhort you, elders, as a fellow elder, 
and one who shares uh, in that role. And so it's that accountability issue. And a person who serves in leadership should always be willing to accept or receive exhortation. And then to give exhortation from a position of understanding, uh, not, uh, not just some nebulous or, or just a, uh, from a, a list of things that we command or instruct people to do, but from real understanding in life. Someone who says that uh, real wisdom is knowing how to apply spiritual or biblical truth to real life situations. We should be able to do that. And then the scripture goes on to say that uh, he's not serving under compulsion, but willingly. And then as you, as God uh, would have you to do it, we're serving God, not men, for God's pleasure, not for the pleasure of men, not for shameful gain, not domineering. There's that word again, katakurios, the lording it over, and not uh, with willingness and readiness. And then as Pastor Todd covered so clearly last week, clothed with humility, clothed (coughs) with humility. That's such an important part in how we relate to people and how we relate to God. (coughs) But it's also uh, so important in how God evaluates our service and our ministry. That brings me to the last thing in that passage, and that is simply that (coughs) the reward for faithful service as an elder. There are two concepts. He ended the passage by saying, excuse me, <coughs> we will receive when we're faithful in that role an unfading crown of glory. I don't know what that is either, but I know that he's saying there that there will be a special recognition for faithfulness, which will keep on going for eternity. And so there's that future reward. <coughs> But in addition to that, there's the present reward when we serve with humility. The passage says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Grace is favor, blessing of the Lord. When we are faithful, he has promised his grace and his favor in our lives. And I'd rather have the favor and the blessing of the Lord than the opposition to the Lord anytime. How about you? He promises that. And so the reward is his grace for now and his crown of glory for the future when we serve him faithfully in this capacity. There's one other passage I want us to notice in Acts chapter 20 that's kind of a summary verse, I think, for this whole thing. It says simply this, as Paul (coughs) was traveling, excuse me, was traveling to Jerusalem and saying as he went, I don't know what's going to happen to me when I get there this time. I may not make it out. But he says, he stops along the way at Miletus. And there in verse 17 of Acts 20, he says, from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, and he said a lot of things, but in verse 28, he says to them these things. First of all, be careful or pay careful attention to yourselves. Guard your heart. Guard your life. Guard your ministry. Guard the flock. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, not just part of them, but all the flock, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Here's that sense of spiritual calling 
we talked about. We don't become elders or leaders in God's church because we want to be or because somebody else thinks we should be. We should have a sense of calling from God that's clear in our own hearts. We should sense that the Holy Spirit has placed us where we are and that the Holy Spirit is guiding us in what we're doing. And so <clears throat> we're to be care pay careful attention to ourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. The church is His, not ours. The church belongs to Him. We're, we're watching over His flock for Him. We're the, he's the shepherd. We're the under-shepherd. And we're taking care of the church, the body of Christ, the called-out assembly of God's people because they belong to the Lord. The church of God, which He obtained with His own blood. And so serving as an elder within the Lord's church means that we have gone through a rigorous process. If they're an elder here, <clears throat> they've been through it. <laughs> it means they've met the biblical qualifications. If they're serving as an elder here, they had to have been examined in light of those things and they meet those qualifications. And if they're serving as an elder here, they have sensed a call from God, and they're doing it because God has put them there. God has led them, and God is leading them in that role. And in all of those ways, they care for the flock and set an example for us. I summarize it in what we call our take-home truth that I think uh, kind of puts it all in perspective for me at least. It simply is this. Rewardable Faithfulness, if we want God to be pleased and God to reward, God to bless it, rewardable faithfulness in the role of elder comes through willing obedience to the call of God, careful compliance with the Word of God, and humble shepherding of the people of God. That's who the elders should be, and that's who uh, the elders who serve us here attempt to be by God's grace. Let's pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for your help as we consider our lives in light of your word. Lord, we recognize today that none of us are able to, be, uh, to serve in any capacity really and faithfully except by your grace. We are who we are and we do what we do by the grace of God. And Lord, we praise you for that wonderful blessing, for the privilege of knowing you and serving you. But I pray that we shall never, whether we're elders or in any other service capacity within your church, that we shall never cease to view it as a sacred trust, a work of God among the people of God, and that we will be faithful to you, to live in a way that is pleasing to you, to be obedient to your word and to the calling you've placed upon our lives, and to keep the humble spirit of a servant as we shepherd your people. Lord, help us to be faithful and continue to bless the elders of this church and the church under these elders for your glory until Jesus comes. We ask in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen.